Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode two of A View to a Kaku Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. Beautiful, the beautiful day here stunning, in Cleveland, Ohio. Stunning day, man. Because it, it's time for your weekly Cleveland weather update. Yes, Because yes. that's what we do on this show. Uh, nice and sunny, warm, but with a slight chill in the breeze. With a, a little chilly breeze. Ideal fall weather, I would say. No, man, everything's going really well. Uh, the school year is sort of up and running. I'm having a great, like, just a really great year. Because, like, sometimes you don't. But this year, like, I get on with all the kids, and I like them, and they like me, and the classes are cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm having a great time. Very exciting, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, shaping hearts and minds. It's a good. It's a pretty good deal. Sure, sure, sure. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> uh, but Dave, you know what else is nice work? Is watching every episode of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. That's what we're doing. And today, Dave, we are watching episode two. It is titled A Dangerous Lady. But before we get into that, Dave, we've got to get through our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Okay, so down by our buddy, uh, you know by Bill and Jen's place, there used to be a blockbuster. Yes. Yes. So there, there, used, there to be a, used to be a lot of blockbusters, a lot of places. There, right. There used to be a lot of blockbusters in just a ton of places, and those are gone now. Although my understanding is that there are like a handful of independently owned blockbusters. Are there really just like franchises that have weathered the storm? Like I don't think it's a franchise operation generally, but maybe if you lived like way out someplace and Blockbuster was like, listen, we're not going to open a store, but you can franchise if you want to. I think a couple still exist. No way. That's awesome. This, (laughs) I, I guess. I mean, listen. If your community has a functioning blockbuster in it, clearly your community needs a blockbuster. So good for you and that blockbuster, I guess. But this blockbuster was in a chain, or in a chain, sorry, in a plaza. Okay. So oh, it's like. Was it, is this the one near the Taco Bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. the one right next to the Taco Bell. Gotcha. That's not how it's pronounced, except by our one friend. But, anyways, um, it's right next to the Taco Bell. And it's, so it's like. Blockbuster, Subway, like Great Cots, and then like something else, right? Sure. I think it was like a head shop. But <laughs> when it's the the key part is that it's in a plaza, Matt, mm-hmm. because the everything else in the plaza is good. The Blockbuster has been shut down for I kid you not, I think like three years, and just nothing has been in it. It has been was, quite some time since anything yeah. has moved into that Blockbuster. And so I was driving by the place the other day. And they're doing demolition, but just of the blockbuster. <laughs> like the rest of the plaza is fine. 
and they're just destroying this one part. So they're you've like got block like a panda buffet and the other places, and then just at the end of the plaza is a pile of rubble that used to be a blockbuster. <laughs> yes, nothing has else has even shut down for the demolition. Blockbuster is so dead that they're just destroying its corpse, and everybody's just gonna <laughs> move on with their lives. And I, think I just Blockbuster fell so hard and so fast. <laughs> just driving because they left the sign up. Oh, so just boy. driving. I know. Just driving by and watching everybody else's cool, and just Blockbuster's getting demolished. It's like I just I laughed for like five minutes. Like Blockbuster fell it. so hard that they had to get rid of not only the stores but like the actual places because the stink of death was so strong on Blockbuster <laughs> that nothing else. Could could ever move into that store yeah dude even like barn or not barnes and noble where did you use borders even borders didn't go down that hard no and borders went down pretty hard oh, borders did went they went down so hard good memories in borders though better memories than in blockbuster i've got I some i've got some good blockbuster memories I've i actually some good blockbuster memories. i kind of miss the days of going to a blockbuster and just poking around uh, I, I I have replaced those by just and opening say, do you up have Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, I just open Netflix and scroll through and never actually watch anything. Just put different things into my queue. And then like a yeah. half an hour later, I decide, well, I could have watched an episode of television in that time. But instead, I flipped through all the options and now I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how Netflix works. You don't actually... Wait, do you actually watch things on Netflix? Well, I've been watching Time Ranger. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, not Time Ranger. That's the Sentai. I've been watching Power Rangers Time Force. Yeah, you don't actually watch things on Netflix. You just add things to your queue, and then and then you do the same with Hulu and then Amazon, and you've got a, a great queue, but then you never actually... You're not supposed to watch. I think they charge you extra for that. I, I literally would not know. <laughs> Um, all right, Matt, so what is our second star of the week? Okay, Dave, our second star of the week is that the other day I went out uh, to the to my local establishment uh, to go get a beer after work, and I was sitting around um, out on the front patio, because as I said, it's been beautiful weather recently. Yeah, and stunning. I get into a conversation with a couple of people, one of whom I kind of know, uh, the other ones I think knew the person that I knew, you know, just like bar conversation. Yeah, like right? bar, yeah, precisely. And so, throughout the course of the conversation, because we were hanging out for a couple hours, um, like, we kept getting onto topics, and I kept realizing that I had, like, a talisman of the fact that I liked that topic in my bag at that moment. And so, we would just be talking, and by the end of the night, I realized that I had, on three separate occasions, pulled out a copy of um, my collection of Watchmen... I had pulled out my Dungeons and Dragons dice, and I had pulled out a book that is like the history of professional wrestling. Uh, you all... just hold like, for, and I just want to say I'm not surprised at all that you own those things, but you had them all with you. Yes, I just happened to have had them all with me. Uh, the The copy of Watchmen was the outlier because I had loaned it to one of the bartenders and just gotten it back that day. And okay, but, got it. But I realized at the end of the night. As I was driving home, that I had somehow accidentally become those like, people. They don't believe you exist. No, see, that's the thing. By the end of the evening, I had become like accidental, like bar patio nerd carrot top, and had just been like pulling props out of my trunk 
to like display yeah, no. my bona fides. Yeah, you're like a weird no, you're a weird like imaginary fairy for those people. They like they tell they're telling someone else this story about you and the people to whom they are telling it are like, "No, nah, that dude doesn't exist." That can't be like you met like a weird goat. You went a nerd ghost is what happened. It was a weird, and that's it, that's what you are it in this kind story. Of felt like a weird magic trick where just every topic of conversation, I happened to be like, "Aha!" And now let me display this. <laughs> uh, that's pretty. Actually, Matt. Speaking of your uh, nerd motifides, that does lead just beautifully into our next star. So, what Matt is our third star of the week third star of the week dave is that there has been an update to pokemon go uh i know we we haven't talked about pokemon go on the show for a while because it's been kind of stalled out uh the game has not been really adding a lot of new exciting features recently and i've still been playing it but it hasn't really been worth bringing up on the show but they recently added a buddy system and here's what this means tell me more uh you can assign one of your pokemon to be your buddy and okay. then as you walk, you get candy to level up that Pokemon. Like that exclusively, like just for Um, I think you I think you get it for that type, not for that exact okay. one. But I think you obviously you're gonna but yeah, so, max out Pikachu or whatever. So this is really exciting because now it means two things. It means that I get to walk around with like a little squirtle buddy the entire time, which is the best. Uh, and yeah, it, and of course. it also means that eventually, even though I never find Squirtles out in the wild, I will get enough Squirtle candy to eventually get that sweet, sweet Blastoise, because I love that angry water gun tank, dude. Yeah, no, all this, the starter Pokemon are the best. Like, those guys are amazing. I also love, what's the dude with four arms? I love that guy. Um, are you talking about Machamp? Forearm, the dude from the Mutant Liberation Front? Well, I like that guy, too. Pretty much I just like anybody with multiple arms. I think it's a cool superpower. Dave, almost everyone has multiple arms. Uh, Machamp, I think, is the one I'm thinking of. I like that, too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Either Machamp or Machoke. I forget which one. Machamp. Yeah, Machamp. He looks rad. He looks like a a four-armed fighting lizard. It's rad. He is. I think he's wearing a championship belt, isn't he? He, Yeah, he 100% is. And wrestling trunks. It's sweet. Yeah, that dude is awesome. Anyway, so, that's all. That's really all there is to it. There's wait. I, okay, so I just can you battle each other yet? Not this yet. Is what, but like, they have told us that it's coming. Okay, so this is the promise: is that you will be able to be the very best, like no one ever was. Sure, to train them against is your two true test. To wait, or maybe that's your cause. I forget. I'm pretty sure it's your cause to catch them is your test, uh, and to, to train, train them, them is, your, is your cause. There yeah, we is go. your cause. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's all I got on Pokemon Go. The Pokemon Go Plus comes out like tomorrow, but I don't think I got on the pre-order list soon enough that I'm going to get the first wave. Uh, well, you know, listen, man, I think I am coming to this conclusion about video games that I think I need to temper my excitement about getting things as soon as they come out, particularly for like Bethesda games, which are some of my favorite games. I like... I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm trying to set myself mentally that the next time Bethesda comes out with like a giant open world RPG, I'm not going to buy it okay. at first. Well, see, that's that's what I do. Although, Dave, I will I say we change the subject because we are getting dangerously close to talking about Fallout 4 again, and that is something that we swore we would never do. 
we did the new DLC is really good though. But so I, yeah, I that's the thing is I like they always come out with a ton of extra stuff later. And then by the time Dave, all the extra stuff has come doing out, it right now, we said no. We I'm did just it, talking about and general Bethesda right now. General stuff, because this would apply to Skyrim too, or any Elder Scrolls game. Dave, what's, our, like Dave, they, what's our fourth star of the week? Okay, fine. Our fourth star of the week, Matt, is that I love magic and video games, which I would have liked to talk about. But I love magic. Tell me more about like, I don't magic because do I also love magic. Oh my gosh, I love magic so much. I don't do magic, but I will like I will watch literally hours of magicians on like YouTube. I will just like I will just YouTube surf from card trick to card trick to card trick. Like I love it. I don't love as much like I think what's called like grand illusion where it's like there's a woman in a box and she disappeared and now she's back and she's wearing a dress. It's like, well, okay, like you clearly have a trick box and like you did a cool thing, but like that's not amazing to me. I love sleight of hand. Really, what I should say is I love sleight of hand. Okay, so I you're love... not like a David Copperfield guy. Yeah, David Copperfield is like a weird dude, and he like owns an island and like believes that he eats light or something. But <laughs> I do not know how much, if any, of that was true. But he definitely owns an island. Like that is a hundred percent true, and it's super crazy. Somebody wrote an article about it. And I think he might believe that he eats light. I'm not sure. Listen, who am I? No, no, no. Who am he I doesn't to judge David Copperfield on whether or not he can eat light. That made me the Statue of Liberty disappear. No, he doesn't. Sorry. In the article that I read, he has a chef, and like everybody else who's eating a fancy dinner, and David Copperfield just eats chicken tenders. <laughs> that's like, that's just what he likes. And he's like, "It's my island. Bring me some of those sweet chicken tenders." <laughs> so. So it is. I love magic. And Penn and Teller, my personal thoughts about Pendulette aside. Yeah. Uh, like, my, my personal thoughts of Pendulette are that I wish that Penn was the silent one and Teller talked. Yeah. I think that would be really, that would be wonderful. But, but tell <laughs> anyways, me about this show. So they've got this show and it's called Fool Us or Fool, yeah, Fool Us. And the whole idea is that a magician comes on and they do their act or like their trick or whatever and the goal is, as the title implies, to fool Penn and Teller. Like, Penn and Teller, like, of the two, Teller is a, a, is uh, the better magician. Like, Penn mm-hmm. says this. And, like, he's got, like, this enormous library, and, like, they know all this stuff. And, you know, obviously, they've been doing it for, like, a billion years. And so the goal is, like, can you figure out a way to do a trick that they can't catch like can you manage to like i think i've seen some of this show yeah to like put one over on penn and teller and only like i mean predictably not a real large percentage of people manage to do it but you do get to see some really cool magic and so it was on my lunch break today and i was just like watching some clips and this dude came on and his name is Marty gilbert Mm -hmm. okay i'm sure if you look him up on if you look him up on youtube his videos come up i don't know if he's professional or not but here's the deal with Marty Gilbert. Marty Gilbert was born with like, he has a birth defect, okay? Okay. And so his, like one of his arms is, um, it only comes down to like where his elbow joint would be, but there's no joint. Okay. And then his other arm, he has like a full elbow joint and also like a wrist joint, but like it's small and like the hand isn't, isn't fully formed. Okay, right Which on. I wouldn't be going into a lot of detail, except this dude is a magician. And he does card tricks. Okay. 
Dude Tell does me more. card tricks. This yeah. sounds uh, fascinating. Dude does card tricks. He doesn't have hands. So he goes on the show, and like you should just watch it. It's uh, Madi M A D H I Gilbert G I L B E R T. Uh, also, if I couldn't remember his name, and so I just looked up "fool us, no hands" magician, but he did come up. Okay, that's listen. I I understand why you feel the way you do about that, but it I did do. Work. But yeah, but it did work. And his name is Madi Gilbert, and I promise I'll remember it now because he's amazing. So he goes to do this card trick. And it seems like a fairly simple card trick. I mean, like I don't know how it was done, obviously. But it seems like a fairly simple card trick. But here's the amazing thing. Penn and Teller were watching it. And at the end, they're like, we don't know how you did that. Because nobody else has ever done it that way. Because everyone else has hands. Right. Like, they know how they would do that trick. But they don't right. know how he did it. Yeah, they don't, it's like, yeah, they're just like, we have no paradigm to understand how you put that trick together because we don't know, sort of, we don't know what to look for because we're looking for someone who would do it with hands and you don't have hands. That is amazing. We don't know how you did it. Like, there was a wrestler I read about, like a high school wrestler a couple of years ago uh, that got to like a national championship, but he didn't have legs. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard about this guy. And like he was this great wrestler, and there was actually some consideration of, like, kind of, like, is it fair to let this guy wrestle because, like, nobody, kno- like, you know, wrestling generally is predicated on the fact that your opponent has all four limbs, and so, like, you've learned to do whatever, and he doesn't have, and he didn't have legs, so people were like, I don't know what to do. Like, I go to grab his leg, and it's just not there. And so, I, I can he imagine was super, that super good. Tricky. I mean, obviously, he is also dealing with some real struggles. Well, like, yeah, obviously, but, like, he has had a... He has been accustomed to. Exactly. He's had a lot more time to get used to not having legs than you had to get used to wrestling a dude that has no legs. Um, but anyways, his name was Monty Gobert. It was an amazing performance, and uh, and you should go look it up. So so that was it. That's our fourth star of the week, man. What is our what's our fifth star of the week? Okay, Dave, our fifth star of the week is that we might have to um, institute a new segment like after the break uh, going uh, okay. forward because remember how last week we said that there's a lot of stuff about Japan that we don't know, but we yeah, asked, just that we asked an enormous amount of things. That, like, if you happen to know this stuff, like, please tell us. Dude, turns out they knew. Okay, first of all, you You guys are great. Thanks. You're great. Also, you love Kaku Ranger and you know a lot of stuff about it. There is stuff that they were telling me that, like, I did not even realize was a question and they were giving me an answer to it. That's, I'm not going to lie, that makes me a little bit intimidated to know that people are, like, so into Kaku Ranger. <laughs> listen, you're not wrong. I feel kind of the same way, but I feel like if we just, <laughs> listen, if we just do our best, then everything will be cool. So, here are some That's of the... That's pretty much the rest of my life has worked out. So, okay, so here's, yeah, really. Uh, so, here's what's going to happen. I am going to tell you the things that I have learned in this past week... If okay. this continues to be like as active as it was this first week, I might just have to institute a segment like, what did Matt learn about Japan this week? <laughs> uh, but, All right. Okay, well, Matt, so, what did you learn about Japan this week? Okay, so um, from, and I, I, got, I got doubles on some of these, so I'm going to try to give credit where I can, but if I 
forgot to write down your name. I'm very sorry. Thank you very much for uh, helping me out with this stuff. So we got from uh, two followers. Uh, one is uh, Ian Jefferson, and the other is Weed Lord Vegeta. Um, some information about the narrator. Right on. So the narrator, not only is he a like sort of famous performer, but the performance that he is doing is You mean like the actual actor that is that dude, yeah. Okay, but the right on. thing that he is doing is a traditional Japanese art form called Rakugo, and I might be pronouncing that wrong. Okay. So here's the deal with Rakugo. It is, and I'm, I have the Wikipedia page open right now, it is a form of Japanese verbal entertainment. The lone storyteller sits on a stage using only a paper fan uh, and a small wooden, or a small cloth, rather, as props, and without standing up from the seated position... The Rakugo depicts, or the Rakugo artist depicts a long and complicated comical story. The story always involves the dialogue of two or more characters. The difference between the characters depicted through only a change in pitch and a slight turn of the head of the performer. So, like that dude, and uh, Weedlord Vegeta described it as. See, I got it pulled up here. So it's like you're like yeah. just a professional funny guy. Yeah. Professional he, yeah. like funny storyteller. He said, imagine that if those weird kind of funny stories your uncle told were regarded as national or as uh, traditional theater, that's Rakugo. So like that's what that guy is. So I'm a, I'm much Matt, more I'm f- moving to Japan. It's, I'm quitting my job. I'm moving to Japan. It's basically all I've ever wanted is to do I that. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I found my calling. I feel like we kind of like we have been practicing that for 100 weeks. Um, if I You're not hundred percent wrong. If I could just pretend to be two people instead of you and I going back and forth, I feel like if we could both do that, then we could both have very successful careers in this. <laughs> okay, so that dude is famous, and he is doing like a highly respected ancient traditional art form. Yeah. So what else, man? So I'm on a, I'm a lot more inclined to regard that dude favorably. I remember last week I was uh, saying that he creeped me out, and it was sort of weird, and I didn't get it. And I still oh, don't yeah. get it, but I feel as though the knowledge that he is doing like a very specific thing sort of changes my Yeah, view like it sort of it. changes the tenor of it. Okay, so here is another thing. Remember how I could not figure out whether or not Sorohime, like the woman that she was descended from, was a real person? Yeah. So Sorohime was a real person. Oh, no way. Yeah, she was like the daughter of the head priest of this shrine. And like the priest died. And so she became the head priest at like age 16. And then later on when she was like 18, she ended up like leading. I can't, I, I'm looking at this now. Either she like she led an armed rebellion or she led like she led an armed defense of the shrine. I think that's actually it. Yeah. Either way pretty rad. Yeah, so apparently, Tsuruhime is not only a real person, but, like, completely radical. That's uh, awesome. It says here, she had trained since childhood in the martial arts, and when Aochi uh, made further moves against Omishima, she took charge of the military residence. Along with her brothers and husband, uh, she led an army into battle and drove samurai back into the open sea. So, yeah, Tsuruhime awesome. is the best, apparently. Um... Let's see, some other stuff. Oh, the Doron Changers? Okay. First of all, they are designed to look like um, these like traditional Japanese little carrying cases called Inro. 
Oh, right on. Um, I think I remember that name correctly. And also, uh, Doron is a Japanese onomatopoeia for the sound of like a puff of smoke, like disappearing in a puff of smoke. Oh, like it's like their bamf. Yeah, it's basically like, yeah, it is. Dave, I was going to try to find a different way of saying it. It is 100% that. You got it in one. Okay. Nailed it. Um, so, yeah. So, that is why they are called the Doron Changers. That is why so much of this stuff in this show, like, disappears in a puff of smoke. That is why the uh, little, like, the... I figured that was just because they're ninjas, yeah. right? Well, like, okay. Yeah, not... that's probably it. But also, like, the putties are called Dorons. Oh, and right they, on. they appear and disappear in a puff of smoke as well. So, like, there's a lot of stuff like that. So, thank you to let's see, um, the the people previously thanked, uh, and then uh, I I had written this all down, and my computer is very far away from my face, and I need new glasses apparently. Uh, <laughs> at Pandua Pan, um, at. Live bird, a couple of fives in there. I think that's three fives. Live bird, five, five, five. Uh, Alan Sells. So all of you and all of you who I uh, forgot to mention, thank you so much for all the information. Please uh, keep it coming. Uh, yeah, that definitely. is super awesome. And this has gone longer than I thought it would. So now, Dave, let us <laughs> stop with our segment now and go watch the show. Episode two with Dangerous Lady. And we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching <laughs> episode two of Dangerous Lady. Dave, I feel like I'm kind of starting to get the rhythm of the show a little bit more. Is yeah, it okay? Is it working yeah, for it's you not, yet? It, okay, to a degree, yeah. Like, it's not a complicated premise. Like, there are monsters and there are ninja, and the ninja are killing the monsters. Sure. I've, I've seen... This is a an oove with which I am familiar, let us say. Sure, sure. And so my biggest problem, honestly, is like it's just trying to keep track of everything that's happening because everything happens so friggin' fast. It really, really does. This show, <laughs> and listen, I, I, I have gained a new level of appreciation for what you have been doing the last two seasons because I am not used to watching this show for the first time and then immediately doing the podcast. Because I always watched ahead and then would sort of like, you know, follow up with a second watch through to sort of be the guide. And since I... Oh, have, yeah, 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 dude. Since I have jettisoned that this season, like, boy, you you have been going through some stuff these last two years. Yeah, bud. Welcome to my universe. This is just... You're getting it. You're getting it raw. This is 100% pure, uncut. Uh, I was going to make a... Anyways, anyways, so right, yeah, so. it's like <laughs> there was going to be a cocaine joke is where I was going with that. And then it kind of fell apart on me. But you Sometimes know what you won't gotta... fall apart on you, Dave? Is this episode of this show. So let's talk this about episode. it. Okay. So when we left or when we left our sort of heroes last time, they're not sort of heroes, they're heroes. When we left our heroes last time, it, the Red Ranger is called Sasuke. Yes. And the Blue Ranger is Saizo. Correct. And the white weight ranger is Tsuruhime. Correct. Just to remember. So we, the last thing we saw was that they were fighting the Kappa and his tentacle-headed wife. We don't know what's up with her yet, she, aside yeah, from the fact She shows up, that, and when you say tentacle-headed, uh, when she's she arrives, octopus. there is not a body. It is a head. It's just yeah, a yeah, giant yeah. floating octopus with like a lady's face on it. Yep, and she's wearing like some cool shades. So we get the 
narrator. And what did you say his name was again, Matt? Um, oh, I didn't actually get the name of the narrator. Oh, okay. So the narrator, he poofs in, he dorons in, and he says, back to the warring states. And so we get a further flashback to the sort of warring states period with the original thing. And sort of, he just sort of gives us an overview of everything that happened. Like there were the ninjas and they sealed the yokai power away and now that it's out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's just trying to so, get, basically, that is just a recap of the first episode. Right. So Tentacle Head, Wife, and the Kappa are there and they're like, well, we're not fighting you guys anymore. We're out. So they leave. We go from there to Sasuke and Saizo, and Tsuruhime is on the back of the bike with Sasuke, I think. Yeah. And they're driving along, and she's like, take a left up here. And they're like, why are we taking you home? This is, you're not the boss of us. And she says, yes, I am, actually. Yeah. But, you guys yeah. open the yokai gates. You got to protect me. That's the way, that's the rule. Yeah, the rule is, like, if you guys open the gate, you have to protect, like, my family or something. <laughs> Which I really, like, it makes a lot more sense now that the Tsuruhime family is, like, real dedicated to remembering this. And the other family's like, nah, we're not as invested. <laughs> like, they are the only ones who remember stuff and they watch out for it. But if the other four cause problems, then they are responsible to clean it up. Right. So she, they get to her house, or like wherever it is that she lives. Well, which she gives is a them warehouse. an address. Right, yeah, it's a warehouse. Which, let's be honest, we all saw that coming. I mean, so, it, there were only so many options, and I don't think she's going to live in a quarry. Or at the docks, so ultimately. So she gives him an address, and she says, listen, you need to go get this other guy. He's one of the other ninjas. Like, he's one of the under other Conky Rangers. And they're like, isn't this an arcade? That seems a little bit weird. And Okay, here's what is weird. It's not weird that he's hanging out in an arcade. It is weird that Tsuruhime knows exactly where he is. Like, she does not give them his home address. So either right. that dude basically lives at this arcade, or she Which has like a... is not impossible. Like, well, okay, I think it is impossible for reasons we'll get to in a minute. Oh well, yeah, that's a this very particular good point, this actually. particular arcade, Dave. Um, yeah, no, not this one. Uh, or it's just that Tsuruhime has like a this weird knowledge of where all of these other Kaku Rangers are at all times, which isn't well, also not impossible. I was going to say not impossible. So we go from there to the arcade, and we get the narrator. He hops in and he says, "This is Sekai, and he is the descendant of." The yellow ninja. I can't remember his name. Well, his name was also Sekai. Sekai is oh, the, that's the right. surname. Also Sekai. Or the family yeah, so name. he's... Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm a jerk. So <laughs> he says, this is Sekai. And he might seem like a slacker, but he's not. He is, in fact, the slackerest slacker to ever slack. He is like the king of slackers. And so... Then we jump in, and it's it's so it's Sekai and just some dude, I guess, well, to be playing a video of games. His. They are playing a Gundam fighting game, and Sekai is losing badly, which is another which, reason why I think that he does not live at the arcade, because he would have gotten good at this stuff at some point. Nah, dude, he's the slackerest slacker to ever slack. You can't, to really, like, to really be in it, you can't. You have to slack. It's a hundred percent commitment, Matt. The only thing you can't slack about is slacking. Oh, see now that's that's a strange balance. Once you actually, once you also learn how to slack at slacking, then you have achieved enlightenment. <laughs> I think what you've achieved then is a job. <laughs> 
Okay, so they're, so they're sitting there, and this woman walks over to them, and she appears to be the proprietor of the arcade, and she leans down to uh, Sekai's the, friend and says, Hey, yeah. I have a much more interesting game for you in the back. It's a virtual reality. And he's like, what? No way. And so he follows her back. Oh, remind and me, this is 1994. So, like, the concept of virtual reality in 1994. It's just, it's a virtual boy it was, is what it, it is. Was very tenuous. It's not a virtual boy. It's like one of those sit-in arcade machines. But, so he goes, so he goes back. And Seikai kind of, like, not, like, sneakily, but just sort of, like, follows them back there. Yeah, because he, he also looks, wants to play the cool games. Right, and so he looks in through this thing, and there's like a whole back area in this arcade. There's like hallways and like individual rooms and all this stuff. And he looks in and he sees the woman sort of like leaning over the friend's shoulder, and he's like, oh my gosh, this game is amazing. And then he looks away, and when he does that, she teleports away, and she teleports behind him. So she clearly is a monster. And she's like, hey, if you want to come with me, I've got an even better game, like even further in the back. And he's like, what? oh, amazing. I love games. Oh, that's so, so she great. Follows I love games. And this isn't suspicious at all. Just at all that you have like a whole back weird room here that makes 100% sense. So we go to the warehouse where Tsuruhime apparently lives. And it looks at first as though Sandayu. Oh, sorry. Sandayu is the dude that we mentioned last time. He is the younger dude in like the pink kimono who flies around in a cloud and has a hat and a cape now, Dave, and a pipe. You I say think. that he is a younger dude. He is 100% older than all of the other characters. Sorry, younger than the other dude in a pink kimono, the narrator. Like, they're both in pink kimonos is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's, sorry, he's not younger than the Rangers. He's younger than the other pink kimono guy. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. Yeah, no, that I can see where that would have been confusing, but he's, he's older. And at first it seems like he is their, like their Zordon Doshikaku chief. And I think he is. I think that he is, yes. But he is also like the longtime servant of the Tsuruhime family. Yeah, because at some point in this conversation, he says, like, I have served the Tsuruhime family for generations. Yeah, so I think he's like an immortal Alfred, kind of. An immortal ninja Alfred. An immortal ninja Alfred, precisely. one of the best kinds of Alfred. It's, I submit that it might be the best oh, dude. aside from actual I was Alfred. Say, actual Alfred is pretty great. Yeah. So, so he, Oh, and also in all of the translation that I'm seeing, he's saying like ye, and I clearly don't know enough Japanese to know the answer to this question, but it leads me to believe that maybe Sandayu is like a, maybe he's speaking like a, like an antiquated version I have of no, Japanese. I, I have no idea. The DVDs do not give us that. Okay, hey, if anybody knows that, tweet it, Matt. <laughs> just just a deluge of information about uh, outdated Japanese linguistics. It's going to be I so good. It. It's going to be so good. So he says, hey, listen, uh, I've got this thing for you. It's Neko Bus. And this, it's like a, it's not a bus bus, but it's like a big van. And it, Drives in and it's painted to look like a cat. It's uh, okay, it's, Dave. Its its name is Nekumaru. Oh, sorry, my notes say Nekobus, um, and then Nekomaru underneath that. Tsuruhime is super into it, and he says, "Now take care of Nekumaru. 
It Holy is, ass, it is a I can't living believe creature. this. Because it's a live, it's alive. This bus, Neko, is Japanese, or Neko, or however you pronounce it, is Japanese for cat. This yeah. is like a cat bus that is alive and meows at Tsurukime. And purrs, yeah. I think Sand, I, dude, I don't know what the deal is, but if I find out later that Sandayu just turned a cat into a bus, I, A, will completely believe it. I have no problem. So far, like the narrative of this show is telling me that's 100% fine. Oh, yeah, sure. And also, I don't know if that's awesome or a tiny bit terrible. Like, I could kind of go... I mean, like, actually, you know what? It's probably rad because Nekumaru seems pretty into it. Yeah, Nekumaru so. is totally cool. Nekumaru yeah. can, like, teleport and fly and stuff. Oh, he can fly? No way. That's amazing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. It can definitely Pro- teleport. It can definitely teleport. We will find that out. So we go back from there to the arcade. And the secret game that the lady told Seikai she had is just like a hostess cafe. Yeah, it's literally just... There is not a game. Seikai is sitting no at a table, and like cute waitress- waitresses are like roller skating around him and bringing him food and sitting in his lap and giggling. Do you know? Do you know about hostess cafes, Matt? Do you know that this is a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Never mind. We don't need to talk about it, but it is wild to me. But yeah. So the secret game is just a hostess cafe, and we go from there back and he's like having a great time. Seikai loves this. Oh dude. He's like, this is the best game ever, which I, if you're Seikai makes sense. Sure. I mean, listen, if if you were comparing that to like a bad Gundam fighting game, then sure. Yeah. That's a hundred percent better. Afternoon definitely improved. So we cut back to (laughs) Tsurihime and Sandayu and they're sitting, actually they are sitting on the docks that are right outside of the warehouse. Uh, and they're looking out over the It's still the a city. Sentai show, Matt. They're looking- we were never going to go that far. <laughs> and they're looking over the city. And over the city is like this big cloud of evil energy. Which, which like everyone seems super chill about. Like n- the city apparently is not stopped at all. Like everything's fine. Dave, yesterday as far as they're concerned. in the sky above the city, there was a giant like floating castle. Yeah, okay. Good point. Actually... I'm I'm trying to sort of parse the timeline of episode one and episode two. It might be the same day. I do. I think it is actually because they teleport like there's no time break. All of this is just happening kind of immediately. So what we find out this thing is is it's a giant whirlwind of yokai energy. Yeah, and the so yokai energy is like not only is it a larger collection of it than Sandayu has ever seen. But also, like, I think it might be growing because it feeds on, like, human negative emotion. Right. And it's above a city, which is, like, the ideal place for that. And it might also, like, listen, I don't know if it's directly causing negative human emotion, but, like, it is summoning monsters. And so that can't be helping. So that's uncool. And he says, he's like, listen, you guys got to deal with this. Because if you don't, that cap is going to be back. And then it's going to absorb a bunch of that yokai energy. And then it's going to get giant. And that's when your real problems are going to start. So, that is fun that, like, this is how they get giant. They just absorb a bunch of energy and they get giant for our monsters. So, we flash from there to the city. The kappa is walking up the street. He looks up and sees the yokai whirlwind as though he had not seen it before. As though he was not at the sealed door when all of that yokai energy came swirling out. (laughs) But he's just like, yeah, this is awesome. And he does this little, like jazz hands dance it's pretty fun and 
It is pretty cool. The, the so he goes over. Who plays the Kappa does a really great job of like when he is in his human form, still having like the physical mannerisms. Like he moves around like a monster that looks like a human, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, definitely. He kind of looks as though he's wearing a monster suit all the time, even when he's not wearing a monster suit. Yeah, it's pretty great. He does. Yeah, it's a really cool job. So it turns out, so he shows up at the arcade also, and it turns out that he is married to the proprietress of the arcade. Yeah. Who, like herself, obviously is a monster. And she is some sort of like crazy ghost that has like a giant long neck. Okay, what she is, is she is a Rokorokobi. Oh yeah, sorry. I only said that. They do tell us what it was before. I was just really psyched that I was like, oh, I know that. I remember that. I didn't remember what it was called, but I was like, I recognize it. I felt real good about myself. That is cool. Uh, well, because that is the thing about this show is that like, okay, in other shows that I have seen, like there are monsters every week and some of those monsters might be like inspired by X, right? Yeah. But in Cocker Ranger, they're not like a monster that has been inspired by something. It's just literally that thing. Like, it's a Sentai version of it, but like the Kappa right. is just a Kappa. The Rokurokubi is just a Rokurokubi. Like, those are yokai that, like, there are Wikipedia entries on them, and you can read, like, the history, like, of those mythological, like, things. Oh, okay. So, like, I knew the Kappa was a real thing, but I did not realize that all of these monsters were just, like, straight up, like, Yep, that's just a monster, and that's a monster. I would like—I wasn't sure where they were going with like eye flaps and like the garbage can monster, but clearly there's a. Hey, listen, I—I I don't know what those things actually are, but as I understand it, the like I was looking up at the names of a few of them on this Wikipedia list that someone tweeted at me, and like oh, right they're on. all just there, so I assume that's what it is. And sick. That is the weird thing that I am realizing about this show is that it seems to me that it is more, like, indecipherable than the previous shows that we've been watching. But I feel like it actually is a lot more understandable. It just requires, like, a completely different cultural, like, knowledge set <laughs> than I have. Okay, Matt, here's what we need to do. We need to find some Japanese brothers who want to do a podcast, and they need to watch King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. <laughs> and we'll just we'll trade it'll be amazing i feel like that i feel like that is a very good equivalence well, it, well okay so i was because i was looking some stuff up about like i'm trying not to read ahead it, such as the case may be but like i was just looking at the ninja names i was like i know that name like from naruto and so i looked it up and it's like oh like this dude like this Conquer Ranger is drawing a bunch of stuff, and Naruto is also drawing a bunch of stuff, like from the same stories. Right, right. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, this is just King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, but in Japan. Yeah, and what's really interesting about it is, like, you know, it is using, like, a tokusatsu show, which is, like, a very Japanese sort of TV show to tell yeah. a very Japanese sort of story with very Japanese, like, everything basically like it yeah, also the more i find out about this the more i'm like super into yeah, it like it's so like it includes other forms of japanese like it's got the uh oh, what did i call it sorry uh rakugo like the narrator yeah. doing like a full other thing you know what it's like dave 
it is it is like King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, but I also feel like there is another thing that uses a couple of like uh, very specific national art forms to tell a story of the history of that place, um, and that is Hamilton. I was just going to say, you're about to say Hamilton, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, Kaku Ranger is basically Tokusatsu Hamilton. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong. Because um, listen, okay. Hamilton uses like the American musical and hip hop to tell a story about like, you know, like American revolutionary history. Like this Yeah, is... no, that's not a, I was going to say, you're not wrong, yeah, dude. dude. Okay. So there's a quick shot of Tsuruhime driving Nekamaru, like just around. We're not totally sure where, probably over to the arcade. And then we're back to the arcade. So the Kappa is in like what seems to be a walk-in refrigerator, but there's a, ref- a refrigerator in it, which is full of cucumbers. But then there's a bunch of other vegetables that are just hanging from strings from the ceiling. Yeah, it's just a room. It's a... It is just a room full of produce on strings. It's very strange looking. I don't... I'm not sure what's going on. And so... By the way, did the, we mention... I know we talked about the Rokoroko Bee, and then we got on a whole other tear. Did we mention that there's... They've been doing this weird cut, this weird camera cut, where it will show her head right next to, like, the dude who's playing the video game, like, looking over his shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the camera pans back and sees, like... This huge, long, like, windy neck leading back to a body on, like, the far end of the room. and like They do a super cool job of it. It's a super cool job. And, like, listen, you can tell, obviously, that it's kind of, like, a cheap effect. But, like, for, like, in the context of this show, it really works. And it looks very creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They really nail it. uh, You know, like, insofar as they can. So... She runs in to this refrigerator and she's like, oh, darling, oh, darling, our son is back. And he's like, sweetie, no, we've talked about this. Our son is dead. He was killed by human poisons. Food poisoning. That's just another human. Yeah, that's just another human child. But she is insisting that it's her kid. It's a real uncomfortable moment. I'm like I'm wondering if this has something to do with like the traditional ghost. I'm not really sure. It might do. But anyways, Honestly, like I I skimmed the Wikipedia article. I did not give it a full read, but I would totally believe that that is a story that had happened with this thing or one yeah. of these things. But then Kappa says, "Okay, but here's the good news. The sealed door is now open. We have our yokai power again. We have been like humiliated and living among humans for so long." But now we don't have to work at this stupid arcade anymore. We can go do monster stuff. Yeah, this is good. And she's psyched about it. Uh, there's like a prep table. And then they're super excited about this yokai power. And it's very clear that this table is about to become a sex table. Yeah, that is the, that is apparently stage one of monster stuff. Like get your yokai power back and then... And then get it on. In the walk-in freezer. So then the kid walks in. <laughs> He's like, ran out of quarters. I don't know. But he <laughs> freaks out. And the Kappa looks up. And he's like, you saw, didn't you? And he's just like, guys, so far you just look human and you're not actually naked. So like, I can just leave. All he it's saw is too a, late. He's like, right. All I saw is a dude kissing his wife. That's that's fine. With I'm, I've got parents. It's fine. It's cool. But the cop is like, nope, time to die. So he, the kid freaks out. He runs. 
He runs like through the walk-in fridge into the next room, which is where Seikai is. Seikai also, and then like Roku Rokubi head like flies in on the long neck and Seikai freaks out. And then it turns out the hostess girls are also just Dorons. Dorons, what are they called? I think they're called Dorons, yeah. Okay, Doran. And uh, then there's a little fight, and but both guys escape. Cool. Neck lady chases them, and then, the, but they like they get out, and then, as the Roku Rokubi is chasing them, the Kappa and the Doran sort of come from around the other corner, and so now Seikai and the kid are cornered at a warehouse that is like. Clearly, a million miles away from the arcade. So here's the because we saw an just to be clear, we saw an exterior shot of the arcade, and it's like in the middle of the city. Yes, and now we are in a place where it is very easy to film Sasuke and Saizo driving in on their motorcycles because that is what is about to happen. <laughs> right. Um, as they have, as the monsters have cornered uh, Seikai and his buddy. Like, it seems as though they have not quite gotten on the same page yet because Rokurokubi is insisting that they come and live with them and Kappa is saying that they were going to be their dinner. So, like, there's... they It's right. They're very... They, <laughs> they are both on decided. the same page insofar as we need to catch these teens, but they have not yet, like, really had a good sit-down talk about what to do with them. Yeah. So, but Sasuke and Saizo arrive... They, Henge, which is the change, like that's their morph. And the dudes are just into it. They like pull out the swords and they're just fighting now. So I guess they're cool. Yeah, it did not take them long to learn how to be ninja. Yeah, like literally hours, maybe. Hey, listen, they, they so, got magic ninja transformation like things. Right, it's in their blood. So, you know. So Tsuruhime, Tsuruhime arrives in Nakamaru. She's like, guys, like, just get Seikai under the bus. We've got to get him back to the swords because this dude doesn't have his Doron changer yet. Like, everybody else is cool, but, like, we got to get him his power so that he can, like, be part right. of this. So Sasuke stays behind to continue to fight to, like, hold them off. Saizo gets uh, Seikai and Se- the buddy yeah. onto Nekamaru. Nekamaru starts to drive away. Yeah. Rokurokubi is like chasing them down on foot and is catching up to them and is like, oh, my sweet boy, come back, come back. You have to give him back to me. And they're obviously freaking out because she's a terrifying ghost lady with an octopus head stretchy neck. Uh, Inside the bus, Seikai is like, okay, so what's happening now? So what now? And Saizo, (laughs) who has gotten his Doran changer, what, two hours ago? Yeah, maybe. Um, Saizo is just like, oh man, hey, it's great to meet you. I'm Saizo. We just gotta go get you a sword. It'll all make sense. As like, you're gonna has- get your sword. You're gonna pull it out. You'll get your door on charger. Everything's cool. And he's being kind of evasive, and like Sekai is just trying to get a straight answer out of him. And Sudakima is like, Saizo, just stop messing with him. <laughs> right. I really do love that Saizo is already so comfortable with this that he's willing to haze the new guy. He's like two hours deep and he's already telling jokes. So, yeah. I, listen, I've only seen this much of the show. I might love Saizo. Yeah. So Roku Rokubi has caught up with the bus and <laughs> Tsuruhime is like, Nakamaru, you got to, like, you have to gun it. So and then now we find out that Nakamaru can teleport. So he just teleports away. Cool. Uh, Rokurokubi, like, is running too fast and cannot stop herself from just, like, running into a guardrail and falling over. 
Yeah. And then we go back from there to the fight and we get a really cool thing because the Kappa manages to like claw or sword or something Sasuke. And as he claws him, it's like a ninja substitution. And it was just the costume. Yeah. And then so you see there's like an empty Sasuke costume and then Sasuke attacks him from behind. So good, dude. So he uh, like that happens and he gets in like a hit on the Kappa. The Kappa's like, nope, I'm out of here. I'm going to go deal with this other thing. So he teleports. Sandayu at this point appears and says, listen, he just disappeared, but he is going to be back. You've not seen the last of him. He's going to absorb all this yokai energy and then he's going to get giant. And it's going to be a problem. You've got to get back to the castle. You have a new Ninpo to learn. Yeah. And remember, ninja, Ninpo is like ninja magic. So go along to the Here's, Wind Illusion Castle. <laughs> yeah. Hold up, though, because Sasuke is like, oh, Sandayu, thanks so much for that advice. They've never met. They met like that one time where Sandayu like pointed a rose at them and they teleported away. That's it. Well, they all, he also met him at the seal door. This is... I mean, listen, they're not, like, best friends or anything, but... I would say he's never been introduced. Um, this dude is, like, this is the third time he's ever seen this guy, and he's like, oh, thanks, Sunday, you. Dude, it's the third time he's seen him, but we have established that all of this has happened in the course of, like, two hours. And if you yeah, saw, okay. like, a magical flying ninja dude three times in the course of two hours, and one time yeah, he I would sent figure you out that to, like, name. pull a magical sword out of the ground and get a transformation tool to turn you into a ninja superhero, you would remember that, bro. Matt, you make a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, so thank you. So we, we go, and Sasuke is now inside the castle, which is itself Mighty Shogun. There is some sick-looking like red samurai armor and a scroll in front of it. It's a ninja scroll. It's like a literal ninja scroll. It's so good. I love it. So we're back to Nakamaru. Nakamaru takes them to the swords. Seikai, it turns out, is the yellow ranger. You might have thought he was the black ranger based on the fact that he's wearing a black vest and black hat. Yeah, these jerks are not color-coded at all. You know, I am beginning to wonder when the, like really reliable color coding started because we got it mostly in die ranger but like we got Kazu it in die ranger was not always the right color and neither was um shoji all the time true but the jetmen were all well no they weren't no, really i wasn't got guy wasn't and neither was uh akka was Raita was Raita was like they were, they were sort was. Of loosely done but I, I feel like I want to go back and sort of figure out exactly when this started. This is a conversation for another time, but... Uh, yeah, it definitely yeah. is. But anyways, dude is not dressed in black. No, he's dressed in black, but he's not the black ninja. He's the yellow ninja. So uh, they, <laughs> they show up, and it turns out that Seikai's ancestor is quite the ladies ninja. Because, and he's just like, hmm, looks like me. Probably gets a lot of girls. Oh, yeah. And, and then right at the end, his closing advice is two things. He's like, eat a Disney meal once in a while. Yeah, don't always Not all that instant stuff. Ramen. Like, also have some right. rice. And then he says, and watch out for Kunoichi, which is like lady ninjas. And as he disappears, he yells at Seikai, like, do something about your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Catch! I was probably typing something. I did not catch up. That's pretty. It great. was awesome. So, so right after they leave, 
Kappa and uh, Rokuroku be attacked. Yeah, they fly in, Neko... and Kappa starts throwing cucumber bombs at them. Yep, that's a. I think somebody told us Kappa's really dig cucumbers, yes. right? So he's got cucumber bombs. Neko does manage to get the bystander kid away. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's fine. So, what's, what's funny is that um, when the kid was trying to get out of the bus earlier, when everyone else was getting out of the bus, Sudahima was like, no, 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 no. You stay on the bus. Like, you're, <laughs> yeah, you, you do don't not have to... ninja heritage. Like, she doesn't say that, but she's like, listen, like, we're doing our cool thing. You stay inside the cat bus. So, so then, so there's a fight. And Seikai is not changing yet. He's not doing the henge yet. And I did notice, I thought that Spanish trumpet music was like a one-time thing. Turns out it is not. That is just the fight music. It's, it's very jazzy. It's like a much it's jazzier vi- version of the main theme. Yeah, but it's, dude, I just can't. It's the trumpet, and it's very weird <laughs> I keep waiting to see like like mariachis like riding over the horizon, um, uh, which so, sadly would be perfect in the uh, lucha libre sentai, which they still have not made. And oh, I'm dude, still serious about it. It's a it's a dream too beautiful to live, Matt. You just like you need to make your peace with that. So as Surahime and Saizo are fighting Kappa. Uh, Roka Roka B goes over and starts to attack uh, Sekai and she's like yes. up on him and has like tentacles wrapped around him and it's at this point that I notice that the face that is on Roka Roka B's head is I think just like painted on because there is another monster face that is like the, the shape yeah, of the head directly. is in a giant monster face but it, there's like a white patch sort of in the front of the head that it looks like a human face has just been painted on. It's very unsettling. Dude, yeah, that monster design is actually like way cooler than I initially gave it credit yeah, for. Know, it's man. super rad. So when this happens, he finally does like the henge and he's the ninja yellow. And I don't know if he's supposed to have super strength or if he just like throws her off. But he does I know like yellow rangers throw her off in a like very forceful way. And yeah, in a very righteous type type way. Yeah, listen, dude. And I know that yeah, sometimes yellow rangers are just the strong ones, which is awesome. We, what? Right. I mean, that's kind of a thing. And I dig that there is that like at least small degree of continuity between the shows. So Kappa absorbs a whole bunch of energy while he is holding the head of Roku Roku B. So they're giant, but her body was not there. So it's not a giant body. It's like a prison-sized body with the giant octopus head. It's great. But they're separate. Oh, sorry. The body and head are operating separately at this point. So the thing about Roku Like, they can act independently. Is that they were... I was looking at the Wikipedia article, and apparently there are two forms of Roku Roku B. Some of them have super long necks, and some of them have heads that come off of their bodies. And so this is like a blended version of those two things. Right on. Good to know. Yeah, that's actually a pretty rad idea. So as they grow, um, Saizo and Sekai and Tsurukime look up and like, oh, well, that's <laughs> this is rotten. Yeah, it's like, this isn't cool at all. We should not. Oh, we're not into this. But from nowhere, flying in on a cloud is Sasuke. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. And like, cool. he swoops by on the cloud and attacks him on like just at normal size with his sword, and it's great. 
And then he lands down by the other Cocker Rangers. He's like, dudes, my dudes, check this out. I just got this great scroll. Right, you were never going to believe what I just found. This is so rad. Like, stand back, stand back. And I'm going to do a thing. And he's right. It is amazing and rad. Because what he does is it's Kakurei style uh, Simiadar. So what I at first thought was just like a person robot, it turns out I'm assuming, because all the rest of them are animals, I think his is like a monkey. Yeah, and he moves sort of like a monkey in this fight. Yeah. So their giant robots are called Jusho, I think is what it said. Is that right? Uh, They are like... I didn't write it down. We will figure this out at some point between episodes. Yeah, we'll figure Don't, it out later. But yeah. he's got this a, is not a one giant of the monkey robot. You need to tell right. us about it's on the Wikipedia. Yeah, no, so we'll we'll get it there. So they're doing. They're he starts fighting okay, no. Kappa and the giant. I'm head. sorry. Can I interject something real quick? Yeah, please because do. When he gets into this thing, the other Cocker Rangers do not say, "Oh wow, he summoned a giant monkey robot." They say. Oh my gosh, Sasuke got huge. Did Sasuke turn into a giant monkey robot, Dave? Because I think that maybe Sasuke just turned into a giant monkey robot, Dave. I, I don't think so. I think that maybe is like a weird thing because you see him like magic fade into the chest of the giant robot. Yes, you do. But I... Listen, they said Dude, maybe he it's got like an big el- and I am will I want to believe, Dave. I want to believe that they get huge. Guys, listen. Okay, listen. This is, listeners, if we're wrong, let us persist in this as long as possible. Yeah, seriously. Don't Here, here's, here's, correct us on this one. Here's our general rule of thumb on this. If there is something that we are wrong about or that we have like missed a key piece of cultural information, please tell us. If it is something about like the that we will learn as the show progresses. Um, we will figure that out as we're watching it. You do not need to tell us. Um, and also... Yeah, that's like, a good... We want to see it when the show happens. So, you right. know, let us do all of that together. Because otherwise, I'm going to check my tweets, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to be sad. Okay. So, then Kappa and Rokurukubi, they do like a giant portal that they jump through, but then Symbiodar follows them through... And they're like flying through the world, I they guess. They fly up it's into very space weird. for a second. See, here's a weird thing is they're flying all over the world and like into space and through subway tunnels and stuff. But they're also changing size as they're doing it. Like sometimes they're regular person size. Sometimes they're like the size of a, I don't know. Uh, one not a regular the size, size of a person like when they're flying yeah, through the subway it's... cards and then when they land again it is nighttime and they are giants again yup that sure yeah, I don't sure know is. if they have like teleported through time or if they've just been flying around so long that the sun has set it's very unclear so <laughs> they do finally <laughs> land though and we get a quick flash to Tsuruhime fighting Rokurokubi's body. And she does like a power slash. And the body dies. And then when the body dies, the head also dies. See, this is very convenient. So that- because at that exact moment, Rokurokubi had like put her like flying 
octopus head on top of the giant Sasuke robot's oh, head. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he looked and like he was of... sort of fading fast. So as the body died, the Rokurokubi head like flies off and Sasuke is saved. Yes. So Kappa picks up Rokurokubi's head and then Simiadar unleashes its special move, which is the Simiadar Slicer. And it's a giant ninja star that he bulls at them and it just like slices them in yeah, half. I have in my notes, like, just... he bulls a shuriken? Also, in, yep, straight up. in my notes, he is not called Simiadar. I do not know what sort of translation differences we have between what you are watching and what I am watching. Uh, but in my notes, that is the Saruta Slicer. Oh, that would be... That also works. I am enjoying the show quite a bit in a way that is different from the way that Matt is enjoying it. Let's leave it at that. So... <laughs> So it slices the kappa in half, and that's how you know a ninja, because he cuts him in half, and then they die. Yeah. And then they're like, well, at least we died together, and then they're dead. And then we, then that's pretty much the end. We go back, and we see the friend getting dropped off, and he's like, Seikai, that was the coolest VR experience ever. Because, again, I will remind you, it is 1994, and that thoughts on VR were very fuzzy. Yeah, so this kid is an idiot. This show was coming and out around the same time as VR Troopers. So that's what we thought <laughs> virtual reality was back then. And so then the Rangers get on the Nekamaru, and they're just driving around, I think, like looking for monsters to fight or whatever. And they drive by a guy who is like very obviously the fifth ranger, but he's dressed like a camper. Oh, he's dressed like and a then, camper now, dude, like, but I have seen pictures of him next episode, and it's going to be good. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. And then he sort of like walks purposefully into a field. And that's the episode. And then that's yeah. it. So That's it, man. Dave, what do you think about this episode? Dude, I'm into it. Like, I'm already super on board for Kaku Ranger. Me too. Honestly, the, in a way that I did not think I was going to be. Well... Okay, like at the end of Jetman, they were like, oh, it's ninjas. And I was like, mm, is it actually going to be ninjas? Like, I don't know. But they're straight up ninjas. Yeah, dude. Like, for real. With an S. Yeah, with an S, not a Z, to be clear. Hey, neither would be cool. I, I would be much less into it if they were ninjas with a Z. Uh, I would be actually as into it, but in a different way. Now, here is a weird thing that I noticed oh, about sorry, the show Oh, sorry, Matt. So I was making an insane clown posse joke. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, I was just thinking about things that were radical. And of course, all things that are <laughs> radical contain either the letter X or the letter Z. Yeah, ideally both, sure. if at all possible. Um, so here's a thing that I noticed at the end of the second episode of Cocky Ranger is that, like, Kappa's dead, right? Which means yep. that Kappa is not the villain of the season. Sure is um, it. Isn't it weird that we finished two episodes and we still have not, oh, yeah. like, encountered the Virum? the guys are. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought I mean, about you know, Virum equivalent, but, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. I wasn't that assuming that, dude, like, Radigan was going to show up. We saw the dude in, like, the flashback getting put away Serpentor, in the yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if Serpentor is actually the villain of this show. I don't know, dog. That's weird. So, yeah. I have no idea. That's, that's a weird thing. Because we'll find out, right? Yeah. But now, Dave, it is time for our new segment. Those dudes got cut in half, and they're dead, so they go on the list. It's time for the Creature oh, yeah, Royale. that's right. Okay, so Creature Royale, 
uh, I like these dudes. I like that they were married. Do you want to put them on the list together? I feel like we ought to. They lived together. They died together. The least we can do to honor that is to put them on our list together. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I like that they were married and I like that they did as much as they were like weird monsters did seem to have like genuine affection for each other. Yeah, they really did. I dug that. They were like sort of Kappa, fully fleshed out characters with like a history and stuff. Yeah. Kappa had sort of a weird look that I wasn't super into as a monster, but I dug his human look. And Roku Roku B was a little bit strange, but I did really dig like the weird octopus. Yeah, head. once I realized like the layers to the design on Roku Roku B, I really liked it. Yeah, I got a lot more into okay, it. Okay, so let's start. These are the first monsters. So let's start on the list with the first monster from Die Ranger, better or worse than Baron String? Better, right? Definitely better than Baron String. Okay. Yeah, if only for like character, like coolness. So where are you looking? Because right above that, we've got Thunder, and then Tofu Hermit, and then Purse Monk, Duke Trump, Count Kaleidoscope, the Four Kings of Heaven. Stop me when you feel like we're getting in the right territory. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. Stop, 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 stop. Four King, not as cool as Four Kings of Heaven. Okay. Honestly, I was going to put him above the Four Kings of Heaven. Oh, yeah? Well, because, like, they're... Well, sell me, man. Well, okay, because the Four Kings of Heaven have a really cool look, right? Like, they're four dudes. They become one dude. They're in a lot of great episodes. They, like, perform some mystic rituals to, like, help get Akamaru back out of hell. And, like, you know, they are around for a lot of cool stuff. But as characters, they're zeros. Like, there's nothing to them. Ooh, that's a really good point. Whereas these guys, like, they're this wacky couple, and you really get, like, a full picture of them. All right, I can dig it. So, better than Copy Empress? Okay, here's what I'm going to say, is if we say better than Copy Empress, then they're right up against the three priestesses. And the three priestesses are another group that, like, we put in together. They're sisters. They have a relationship. They have, like, a couple of episodes together. Copy Empress, I think, had one of the, like, a really great episode of Die Ranger. But yeah. maybe they are more similar to the priestesses. Yeah, I don't think they're as cool as Copy Empress, though. Yeah, Copy Empress is really great. And there was that episode where there was, like, Kazu's twin... Yeah, dude. No, that's slick, man. That was a cool episode. So better than the Four Kings of Heaven, not as cool as Copy Empress. Okay, that is where they go on the list at number, what is that, 19? Uh, tw- Yeah, 19. Right on. All right, cool, dude. Well, I think that's going to do it for us, yeah? Yeah, that is going to do it, Dave, for another episode of A View to a Cocky Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, or if you know things about Japan that I don't, which, as we have established, is true, um, we're on Twitter <laughs> at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. We're right at the beginning of a new season. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been uh, yeah, God, giving us so much and... Uh, you know, helping get new people on board. Now is the time. Um, you know, so thank you and yeah, thanks so keep much. Keep on keeping on, Doing that. guys.
<laughs> Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week.